morning. Our reading this morning is taken from the book of Luke, reading chapter 10 and the first 24 verses of chapter 10. Jesus sends out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and you are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I will tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sodom. They would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it would be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. A new Capernaum, you will be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given your authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father, no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Amen. but the workers are few. I'm thinking about orchards and apples and I'm thinking, do we even have one in Wollongong? I'd love to visit one. So I got on the internet and I found Dark's Forest and there's an orchard here. So I called up and I said, can I visit just to, you know, come and experience an orchard and thinking about harvesting and 
uh, for today's message. And, they, and the, I talked to a lady and she was frazzled. And she said, I'm just sorry if I'm a bit crazy. She said, uh, we have all these fruit that need to be picked. And I put the word out to a small group of people because we had no one to come and pick the fruit. Nectarines, if they don't get picked, then they get rotten. So they needed someone. They put the word out anyway. It's gone viral, it's gone bananas, and literally thousands of people are here. Thousands of people are here to come and be harvest workers and get the fruit of the nectarines. Hey, this is Joe. Joe, why did what happened to the crop here? Why did people have to come? So basically, yesterday we came out and we looked at the fruit trees and we made an assessment that the fruit was either too ripe, or it was small, or it was rain damaged, and by the time we pick it and we get it up to our shed, it it would get further damaged because it's soft because it's ripe, mm. and we would lose money doing that. We've already lost the crop from our assessment. We decided that's it, lost it. Normally farmers would just leave that for the birds to get. And in this case, we thought that's a shame. The fruit is perfectly fine to eat. So why not allow our customers or other people in the community benefit and share share what we have. So rather than waste it, because if it falls on the ground, it's just totally wasted. Can't use it. Can't use it. And, and, and that is such a shame for the, like, the effort that it goes to grow this stuff and the money that we put into growing it, just to let the birds have it is, is a waste. So this, this, this way, some people get benefit. And, you know, I think, I think that sometimes um, we forget we can be kind and this is our way to be kind. So it had ripened faster than it normally would and then um, if it's too ripe, um, it's too damaged when we get it up to our shed. So it's not about that, but it has to come off the fruit, off the fruit tree quickly because when it's ripe, if it stays on there, it will go bad very quickly in these conditions. So it needed to get picked very quickly and get to the consumer. The only way to get it picked quickly was to get a herd of people here. So we've done that. Very short notice, she ha she needed work labourers for a harvest field, and all these people have come down, all different ages and stages, because this fruit is ripe, it's ready, it needs to be harvested. Beautiful fresh nectarines that would go to waste if they weren't harvested. So I think that this is what Jesus is talking about when he says the harvest, look at this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But he tells us if we ask the Lord of the harvest for workers in the harvest field, look what God can do. I think this is also a great picture for us of what we're to do as church. 
because we as a church, Future Anglican, we're actually called to be harvest workers. We're called to come into the, the orchard, into the harvest field, and to harvest the fruit that God has called for us. I'm so appreciative of Glen Burnie Orchard and Joe for coming to let me film. Um, I'm really excited too for this passage as we think about a fig tree in bloom. This has been a really personally an influential passage for me uh, as my growth as a Christian. So would you pray with us? Let's have a look at Jesus' words uh, in Luke 10. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for your goodness and thank you so much for these words from Jesus. His instructions to his followers, there's so much to glean. Father, we pray that you would speak to us by your word, that you touch our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Jess, who led us uh, in worship. And Jess talked about uh, our identity in Christ. And we're in this Fig Tree and Bloom series, and we're thinking, what is our identity in Christ? But what is our identity as a church? And we're sharing about the different values and the different things that we have. And in this passage, Jesus gives us a picture of one of the areas of our identity uh, as, a, as a fig tree in bloom, as a church, and he's talking about a harvest. Now, Jesus isn't talking about nectarines. He's talking about a spiritual harvest. What does he mean by that? Just like you can go to the tree and harvest a fruit that's grown and been a nectarine, the harvest, the spiritual harvest, is when people come to that point of knowing Christ and surrendering and giving their life completely to Jesus. That is the spiritual harvest. And harvest workers are those who journey along with people, who go on that journey of helping someone understand, know, know Jesus and come to the point and saying, I'm going to make Jesus my king. The people coming to come to Jesus. So the question for us as a church, as part of our identity, what is our response to the harvest? As we read this passage, what is our response to what we're reading here, to the harvest? And this is really important because in Luke 9, uh, Jesus sends the disciples, the 12 disciples, he gives them these similar instructions, he sends them out to be workers in the harvest field. Now, Jesus is sending out the 72, these, these other followers of Jesus. And Luke records it in Luke for us to read 2,000 years later today because it's really important that we recognize as a church, as individuals, that part of our role of, of being under Christ's kingship is that we too are to be harvest workers. That's what we're to do. He calls us to be harvest workers. So the question is, what does it mean for you and for me as followers of Christ to be harvest workers? I want to give us three things. I shouldn't have chewed on the thing because now I'm burping. Three things. The first thing is, we're gonna, we need to listen to the Lord of the harvest. We need to pray and we need to go. So we need to listen to the Lord of the harvest. Um, I love verse 22. It's a really powerful verse. Listen to what verse 22 says. No one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. 
It is the Father who is revealing, sorry, it is the, yeah, it is the Father, no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. It's through the Son that people can come to know God. This is the work of the Lord of the harvest. And one of the things we need to do is know and listen to the Lord of the harvest. The Lord of the harvest is the one that brings people to fruit. He's the one that brings the rain and the soil and all the things to bring the fruit together. This is the Lord of the harvest. The Lord of the harvest owns the field. The Lord of the harvest grows the fruit. And he knows exactly when the fruit is ready and ripe to be picked. And this is that Lord of the Harvest. And I really appreciate Rob Dixon from our eight o'clock service sharing in our community story because it touches me that he talked about, I've been in church, I know churchianity, you know, I know religiosity, but there was a point listening to a sermon from a guest speaker and that one illustration that God touched his heart. And that was God reaching in by his spirit, bringing Rob to the harvest. This is the Lord of the Harvest. He is the one who does the work. And so we are to listen to the Lord of the harvest. And so what does the Lord of the harvest says? He says in verse 2, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. And when I read that verse, I have to ask myself, I find it a really challenging verse because I have to ask, do we believe it? Do we believe that when Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, the harvest is plentiful? I know that members of our church, we believe this, and I love it. I heard this week of some of our young adult community. I heard people in our young adult community going for runs with people, having coffee with people. Uh, I heard of someone this week sitting uh, on some public transport and doing these things as they did, sharing the good news of the love of Christ for someone that does not know him. I know that these people are trusting that the harvest is plentiful, but I also know that I don't always think that the harvest is plentiful. I found it really helpful to go to the orchard before all the people came down because I could see all the trees with the fruit on it. But in my everyday life, I don't always see all the fruit of the trees ready to be harvested, do I? I don't know if this relates to you, but sometimes we don't always think the harvest is plentiful. We look around and we say, no one's interested. No one wants to come to Christ. Who can I share with? Our experience says Another thing. And here's the part where we need to listen to the Lord of the harvest and take him at his word. The harvest is plentiful. And I think one of the things that helped me this week was actually going to the harvest field to see that the harvest is there. And it's a challenge for us to go, as a church, are we going to the harvest field? Are we actually saying, God, praying, God, show me the opportunities. Show me where your harvest is. I took, I don't know if there's a picture that's going to come back up uh, on the screen. Um, but there's, a, there's a, a photo I took. And at four o'clock when we all arrived there, then the, the people at the orchard said, okay, everyone head on down. And there's this long line of people walking on down to the orchard, walking down to the harvest field. This is a picture of the church, I think. When the Lord of the harvest, we listen to the Lord of the harvest, he says, the harvest is plentiful. This is a picture of what the church can be like, walking on down to the harvest field. When God calls us and says the harvest is plentiful, do we listen to that call? Sometimes the harvest field may be what we think it is. Maybe it might be something different. So we need to listen to what the Lord of the harvest says. 
Then Jesus goes on, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but then he says, but the workers are few. Ask of the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in the harvest field. Again, what that picture had. And when I was down in the orchard, I was struck, I was putting myself in the position of Joe and the other farmers. What would it be like if, I, if that was my farm? And I saw all that need to be harvested, and I thought, you know, with my own hands, with our team here, we just haven't got enough hands to do the harvesting. What would you need? You'd need more harvesters. And I think it's not until you get into the harvest field that you realize you need more harvesters. And I think this is what Jesus is saying. Now, before we go, because I'm going to tell you to go in a second, before you go, look around. Can you see that we need more harvesters? And so we ask them to pray. Pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest to provide more harvest workers. And this is for us, when we look around, to take, this is a a really simple command from Jesus, to look around and say, when we see the spaces, when we look around and see the areas where, uh, where there is a harvest opportunity, do we pray for Lord of the harvest, for harvest workers? When we look in the places where there's injustice, Do we pray for harvest workers to jump in and bring the love of Christ? When we look at war-torn places or geography, places where there is no Christian witness, do we ask the Lord of the harvest? When we look into areas of our own community, even in fig tree, when we look at the marginalized, when we look at the areas uh, where we have people from non-Australian backgrounds or people who, you know, refugees moving into our community, do we pray, Lord of the harvest, who's going to go and be? a part of the harvest work amongst those things. We need to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers in the harvest field. And as we pray, we're to pray for our own opportunities. It boggles my mind that the people I know who share Jesus' love all the time are the people who pray to God for opportunities. I think I've said this before, it's a dangerous prayer to pray. If you pray, God, use me as a harvest worker, Be really careful because God will answer that prayer. He'll bring someone along and then you'll be like, oh, I didn't actually think you'd answer that prayer, God. It's a dangerous prayer to pray. So we're to listen to the Lord of the harvest, we're to pray, and we're to go. And Jesus says, go. And then he sends some really super encouraging words. He says this, he says, go. I'm sending you out like a lamb among the wolves. Now, if you've ever been up to the orchard up there before, I don't think I have the picture here, but there is this super beautiful German shepherd. And German shepherds are often known as being scary, big things. It was the most friendly, playful, big dog, but beautiful, humble dog. But it made me think about, imagine if this was a real scary dog and you had to go down and pick the nectarines, but you know you've got to watch out for this big dog that's going to come and attack you at any point. It's a similar analogy that Jesus makes. He's saying, I'm going to send you out like lambs among the wolves. He wants his disciples to know, he wants us to know, if we're going to be harvest workers, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be strong opposition, strong uh, winds against you in doing that. But it's not to stop you. I think for one of the dangers for us as a church and as a culture is we say, if I don't feel good doing something, if I'm not successful at it, I must be bad at it. God doesn't want me to do it. Jesus wants us to know that if we're to be harvest workers, it's really hard. 
we have an adversary. We have the devil. Satan is against us. He calls his harvest workers out like lambs among the wolves. I'm talking with some of our, 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 our young crew this week. We talked about what are some of the issues, the things that stop us going out as harvest workers. Here are a couple of things they said. They said, you know, if you share Jesus with someone, you will be judged. Someone said they feel like Christians get dissed in the way that others don't. Uh, I recently heard a story of someone looking for a housemate and they said that uh, it, uh, it was really hard because most of the people they applied to didn't want Christians, didn't want to live with a Christian. Someone said society has lost its ability to disagree. To say no is to hate. If you're not celebrating something, then you hate it. This is what we face as harvest workers. There's the idea that a personal truth is a personal thing. You can't talk about issues of faith. There's all these things, these wolves stopping us. And if we go out, we will get traded. We will get scarred. It's really difficult. We'll, we'll, we'll get depressed. We'll, we'll, feel, we'll feel the pain. But Jesus doesn't say, therefore, you don't have to go. He says, go. And then as he says, go, Jesus gives a whole wonderful bunch of tips. We're going to scratch the surface of this passage. Uh, in the tips, as he says, uh, shares uh, for the harvest workers to go as he sends out that 72. The first thing he says in verse 4, he says, Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Bare feet, no money, no bag. Seems like a funny thing to say. He wanted them to fully trust the Lord of the harvest. He wanted them to fully trust him. And he wanted them to travel lightly. You know, it wasn't like, okay, you know, here's your toolkit and here's your backpack and here's your, you know. Because they travel lightly, they're trusting in the Lord of the harvest, they're trusting in Christ, they can go wherever God would lead them, to wherever the harvest field is. And I find this a really challenging verse because I think to myself, you know what I can do? I can weigh myself down with things that are going to stop me, prevent me going to where the Lord of the harvest would lead me. What are the things that weigh us down? What are the things that weigh you down? Are there things that stop us? Oh, I would go there, but I can't because I've got, I've got to do this or I've, you know, I've got to look after my possessions here. You know, Some of it, to be honest, some of it's really big stuff. Mortgages. You know, they're wonderful. We get homes, but do they weigh us down? Maybe it's our schedules. Maybe it's our time. What are the things that weigh us down? Jesus says, don't take purse or bag or sandals. And then he says, as you go, don't greet anyone on the road. Now, that seems really weird, a bit rude. You know, if I'm walking through Kmart and I see Phil Piper, it'd be a bit rude to just walk on past, wouldn't it, Phil? You know, I should at least say hello. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about a quick, how you going, see you on your bike. He's saying, for the, in this culture, to stop on the road meant to stop, spend a couple of days together, chill out, come back to my house, enjoy some hospitality, you know, have a, come in the spa, I don't know, hang out, you know, and then, you know, move on to the, oh, there's another friend, we'll spend a week there. Jesus knows if they greet anyone on the road, they will never get to where they're called to go. They'll be distracted. And again, it's an encouragement He's saying, when you're going, when you hear from the Lord of the harvest, get on with it. Don't let the distractions get in the way. And again, it's a question for me. What are the things that distract me 
from getting in the way. I think for me, this is a really big one. Because I know for me, I just get caught up in my everyday stuff. I get caught up in my life and my studies and my work. and I get really task focused. And God can bring along the opportunities, but I'm not seeing them. What is it for us? What is it for you? What are the things that would distract you from taking your part as a harvest worker in God's kingdom? He goes on. He talks about when you enter a house, say peace to this house. If someone you know there promotes peace, uh, your peace will rest on them. Then he says, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. The worker deserves his wages. Don't move around from house to house. And when you enter a town, eat what is offered to you. He's saying, when you go, I will provide. The, The provision will be there. Whatever that provision is, use it. Don't get there and go, oh, gee, the other harvest workers have it better than me. You know, I wish I had it like them. Don't compare. This plays out in micro ways. I went to a restaurant the other day. I met some, uh, uh, some people from church at the cafe. And uh, I got a table. I was given a table, but I wasn't quite happy with it. And I looked at that other table. It came free. I said to the waitress, can I sit there? So I went and sat there. I was like, ah. And then my friends came along, and they said, actually, we prefer that table. I had to move back. Because I'm like, I should have just taken the table I was given. And it just made me look like an idiot, let's be honest. That's the micro level. But I think at the larger level, what we actually do is we say, okay, if I'm going on the harvest, God, I'll be a harvest worker, but I only want to do that if I can have these pre-existing conditions, if I'm in the most comfortable place. I'm only going to serve in a, in a ministry if, if it suits my needs, if it suits where I'm at. If we have an opportunity to be a harvest worker, what is the first thing we think about? Do we look for what is the need? How can I be a harvest worker in that area? Or do I go, how does that, will that fit into my schedule? Will that, how does that work for me? Do we move ourselves around? You know, do, we, do we make serving in the harvest field our very last priority so everything else comes first, but I can pull out of that anytime because it doesn't really matter? Do we take seriously what it means for us as a church to be harvest workers. And it means that it can be hard and it can be messy and it's not as comfortable. There are areas of need in the harvest field that don't have any glamour, that don't have any outward, you know, that are really draining. But these are the areas that Christ's love needs to go to, to bring the fruit of the harvest. Maybe for us in our community, it's the marginalized. You know, we talked last week about manner and the needs there. Maybe for us in our community, it's those who are from non-Anglo backgrounds. We have so many people uh, visiting us, even from Asian backgrounds. There's a harvest there. Are we as a church willing to go? He goes on, he talks about, Jesus goes on uh, from verse 10, he talks about judgment. He talks about making these to the towns that he is sending the 72 in, that it's going to be worse for them at the judgment than it was for places in the Old Testament like, like Sodom. Why? Because in the Old Testament, they just had a picture of who God was. But in the New Testament, they have the Lord Jesus himself is going into those areas. And Jesus says, if they reject me then that judgment will be even worse for them because they've had me there. 
it makes it real. There is a real sting to what's happening here. There's a real weight. Harvest working is an imperative because there are those, there is an implication of judgment for those that don't come to Christ. And so it's really important for us, again, to see the spiritual reality. But as we've also shared this morning, that as we go and into the harvest field, we will be identified with Christ as we do that. Are we willing to do that? Listen to what Jesus says in verse 16. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. But whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects me, rejects him who sent me. We are going to be identified with Christ. And if they reject Christ, if they reject us, they're rejecting Christ. This can be great comfort for us to know, but it is part of the costs for us of being a harvest worker. He then goes on and he says, the 72 returned with joy. They came back and shared what had happened. They said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. As the harvest workers go out, they are making a a dent in Satan's kingdom. They are bringing people back under the kingship of Christ. And this is God's work, uh, bringing down Satan that is ultimately achieved on the cross. It's an amazing thing. And as the disciples come back, they're amazed. They're like, whoa, this is amazing. Look at what we've done. Whoa. The very first time I led someone to Christ was on a a mission trip from here at church. We were in Fiji in a place called Somosono, and I got to see a lady and her son come to Christ. And that is a whole story, and it was just amazing. And we prayed for this lady. She was healed. Anyway, the next couple of days, I was like, I am amazing. God, look what I've done. Look how awesome I am. I got so full of myself, and you know what? I thought to myself, "I, I can do this. Who was I trusting in? Myself. And this is the danger for us. We're going to go, and when we're invited, see as part of harvest work, you're going to see God at work. This is the exciting thing about being a harvest worker. You get to see God at work in ways, in amazing ways. But the danger for us is we go, it's us, it's me. And Jesus doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to not rejoice uh, in you know, seeing uh, these amazing, miraculous things happening. People come to Christ. But our true rejoicing is that our names are written in the book of heaven. Our true rejoicing is what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Really important. Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Our joy is to be in God's grace working in us just as it is working in those in our harvest field. So we are to listen to the Lord of the harvest we're to pray and we're to go. That's what it means to be harvest workers. And I want to give us a bit of a picture of how does, how does that look in everyday life? What does that look like for us as a church in bloom? What does that look like for us as individuals? We're going to have a look at this again next year as well, but I want to give you a little clue. And I've got a graphic up there of three strands. This is taken uh, from a model uh, from a book called Total Church that I think is so relevant to where we are. Three things that are going to help us think about how can I, Langdon, how can I be a harvest worker? Three things that we can all do, three things I know many of us are already doing. 
I love this because it's three strands. It's not three different strands. It's three strands of the one chord. Because these are three things that we can all do. And we should all be doing at the same time. Some of us go, I'm good at one, but not good at the other. I can do one of those, but I can't do the others. These are actually things that we all need to be able to do as harvest workers. And we as a church want to help you and equip you to do that. We all need to be building relationships with people. We all need to be looking outside of our own church. And we keep on saying this, I haven't got any space for more friendships. But we need to be looking for how do we build new connections? How do we strengthen the connections with those who don't know Christ? Always looking around, how can I be building friendships? How can I be doing that? I like to go to the same cafes all the time. So I get to know people. I like to, um, you know, I'm the sort of weirdo that talks to randoms. I know some of you aren't. But I, I like to, you know, ask people how they're doing. You know, I like to think about who are the people, my friends that don't know Christ, I can spend time with, even if I have to make time in the schedule. We can be constantly building relationships, new contacts, but also people that we already know. Constantly think, how can I strengthen those friendships? But also we need to be conversing. We need to be talking about our faith. Do people even know you're a Christian? Do your friends know that? We need to be sharing the good news. Now, we want to help you get equipped in term two next year. We're going to do some training. Our young adults are going to do some talking faith in term one. We're going to train you how to read the Bible. We're always offering things. You know, you can come and join us for one of our Christian Explored courses and join with some people who are, we're talking about what does it mean to have a Christian faith, and you get to learn so much through that. But we need to be people who are conversely sharing the gospel. This is part of us being a fig tree in bloom talking Jesus in our everyday lives. But thirdly, as well as doing that, we need to be inviting people into Christian community. People uh, will see the gospel at work amongst us. Now, if you know someone that doesn't live here, invite them to another church. It doesn't matter. But we need to be saying, how do I bring people? How can I invite someone? Can I invite them to the carols? Can I invite them to the Christmas services? Can I invite them to you know, a bunch of people from church going out to dinner? Can I invite them to my home? How can I show people Christ at work in our community? Of course, it's through the Spirit and it's through prayer. These are great things. So building relationships, sharing the gospel, bringing people to community. Practical ways to be harvest workers. I want to finish off with one picture. Because when I was at the orchard, I saw this a number of times, but I sort of caught this on the video. And it just, it's beautiful. Um, here is, if you can see, there's a dad and his daughter in one hand, the son in the other. Um, but what is the dad doing? He's pointing to the fruit. He's pointing to the fruit for his little girl to pick. And I think it's the most beautiful thing because I think it's a bit of a picture of what we're called to do as a church. We go out with our Heavenly Father who's the Lord of the harvest. And he knows the fruit, he's growing the fruit. And what he does, he shows us where the fruit is. He's going to point us to that fruit. And he wants us to be part of that harvest too. In fact, he wants us to take part and know in the harvest. And I'll tell you what, there was joy when people get the fruit and they, and they taste it. And I, if someone wants a nectarine, or I've got, I want to save some of this 6pm, so come and taste the fruit. It's delicious. There was the most joyous scene at the orchard because it's joyous to go out with a father and be part of the harvest. He wants his children to know. And you know what? We might stuff it up. 
We might break some or bruise some from time to time. We're not going to be perfect. But we're going to trust the Father who takes joy in bringing us to be harvest workers. That's what we're called to be as a fig tree in bloom. That's what we need to be. That's what fig tree has had a history of being, and that's what we need to keep doing. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this wonderful passage from Luke 10. As Jesus has instructed the 72 to trust the Lord of the harvest, that the harvest is plentiful, to pray and to go, Father, would you use us? Would you help us to trust you, the Lord of the harvest? Would you enable us to pray to you, the Lord of the harvest, for more harvest workers in our community and in our world? And Father, would you use us to go? And God, it's tough, it's messy, there's wolves. We're called to depend on you. We have to let all the things. Father, would you help us to be building those relationships? Show us, God, who are the people that you would lead us to to build those relationships with? Would you use us, Lord, whether we have the words or not, to share the good news of Christ, what he's done in us. And Father, would you help us to bring people into the community that they can see and know your goodness. Would you use us, Lord, as your harvest workers? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.